time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Hersema. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is a Friday edition of the podcast, so we are joined by an outstanding guest today. We are joined by Mark Size, and you know, Mark and I used to officiate high school football together. We started the same year. I was a younger guy, and, and Mark was a veteran law enforcement guy at the time, and uh, we worked a few years together, and then he, he moved to Las Vegas, and uh, he retired from uh, the California Highway Patrol and is now doing a lot of private security for um, uh, teams and celebrities and things. We'll get into all that. He's worked for the San Francisco 49ers for quite some time uh, as uh, their security detail. So we'll cover a lot of different things, uh, talk about his football officiating experience, but of course, dive into uh, what he does for a living now in security. So let's uh, bring him on the show. As I go into the waiting room here, he's waiting for us. Mark Saez, bring him right on the Get Home Safe podcast. There he is. Mark Saez, welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast. How you doing, man? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Thank you. I am doing great, Mark. Uh, it is so good to see you. It's been so long. Uh, we officiated a few football games together back in the day, but uh you moved on to bigger and better things, and uh, I'm still here trapped in California, Mark. <laughs> well, man, you have to get out of California. Come back to <laughs> Las Vegas. <laughs> how is, how is, uh, I don't know how to say it. How is, how is freedom? How is it out there in Las Vegas? You've been there since when now? Uh, 2015, I uh, ended up moving here, and uh, there's no state tax here, um, so uh Basically, you know, if you if you work here in Nevada, uh, when you get paid, you just pay federal taxes. That's it. No state tax versus California. They take state and federal tax out of you. Uh, uh, yeah. Cost, yeah. The cost of living is a lot cheaper here. Um, you know, it has its pros and cons. You know, uh, I just I, I, I can't believe it. it was, it's night and day, basically. It's, yeah. it's, uh, enjoy it. It's funny because what was it? Uh, 250 miles and it's uh, night and day, like you say. Yes. <laughs> You know, and I and I kind of I kind of say, well, how come I didn't do this earlier? You know, when I retired. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was uh, the move for you from California? I mean, you, you lifelong guy out here, and we'll get into all of it. But what was you retired, and and what was it that just says we're going to Las Vegas? Did you think of other places to go first, or was that kind of your? We the 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 wife and I we always would come to Vegas. Uh, when I lived in California, I'd come to Vegas and just come out for the weekend, you know, hang out. And we decided to buy a new house because I used to live in Rancho Cucamonga. And uh, she says, well, let's look around Rancho Cucamonga. And I just says, you know what? The cost of living is just too expensive here. Can we maybe move somewhere else where it's less you know, expensive? Or I go back to work, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so we came to Las Vegas. And at first, we were a little hesitant because, you know, uh, Las Vegas, when I say Las Vegas, people think of the strip, you know, casinos and all that, the glitz and glory and all that. But we do have our neighborhood. You know, we do have a school system here. We do have grocery stores. Came to look at some houses, didn't like what we saw. We came back another time. And Friday the 13th, we saw our house and we put a bid on it. We moved in uh, 30 days later. Wow. Awesome stuff, man. Well, uh, you're you're living the good life. I know a lot of people out here uh, would love to follow in your footsteps. And uh, yeah, in California, they, tax taxes for everything. Uh, finally removed the mask mandate. I mean, it's, it's, it seems like uh, California is, uh, is just looking to be expensive and crowded. And I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've been here my whole life, but uh, I don't know. It's getting tougher and tougher. So good for you, man. Well, well, Mark, we got some great things to talk about um, where you grew up, uh, kind of you, how you got into law enforcement uh, your, your football officiating time. And of course, what you do now with, uh, pri- private security and things. Uh, but first let's go to the beginning. Um, uh, where you grew up, you were born in Fresno, California. You were telling me. Yes. Yes. Born and raised in Fresno, California. 
um, went to grammar school there, uh, went to high school, a little bit of college. And um, I, I said to myself, well, either I'm going to go in the military or I'm going to go to law enforcement. That's what I wanted to do in my high school, during my high school years. So when I graduated from high school, I, I went to college. I started taking some criminal justice classes and I enjoyed them. So I'm going, okay. So what I did is I applied for Fresno City Police Department and I applied for the California Highway Patrol. And believe it or not, the California Highway Patrol responded back to me within days and says, yes, we have openings. Um, I said, okay, basically the first one to reach out to me, I'm going with. Put my application in, went through the testing process, and I was in the academy August of 83. Wow, just like that. And now, why why were you leaning towards military or law enforcement? Uh, I, if I had to guess, I'd say you played you played sports in high school. Is that is that correct? Yes, yes, correct. So so correct. what what did what did you play? And uh, you know, because I'm always I don't care what you do in life. I, I think playing sports at a young age is good for you, whether you're good at it or not, it teaches so many lessons. So what was that experience like for you? Oh, I did. I, I loved it in grammar school, you know, eighth, seventh, eighth grade, did football, did all that stuff, you know, tackle football, the peewee football. Uh, I thought that was just a, a great sport at the time. You know, uh, I was, uh, then I started watching the NFL and I said, man, that's, you know, that's, that's a, that's a dream right there. And I just started playing football. And then, uh, you know, I just says, well, I got to start my career, you know, I either, uh, Let's go with the uh, athletic side football, or do I go with you know a career that I can last long and get good retirement, you know, good benefit? So I kind of lean toward law enforcement, which I, I'm glad I did. Uh, you know, of course, I still miss football, and of course, what I do now, you know, the security. That's I'm still with the football guys, you know. So, so being from there, uh, is there is there any uh, allegiance to uh, Fresno State football? Do you do you watch them at all? I do. I do follow the Bulldogs. Uh, I believe they're in the WAC. Is it the WAC? I'm not sure what they call it. The Mountain League. I forgot what the what Ma- see, what, Mountain um, West. Mountain West. That's it. So I do follow them, and I believe they come to Vegas and play against the Rebels. <laughs> UNLV, I believe. Oh. Not mistake. Yeah, that, that'll uh, be a good time. That could be a real good time. Um, one of the highlights. One yeah. of the highlight. Oh, I'm sorry. One of the highlights of my of my life was going to the College World Series in 2008. And this team, uh, the Fresno State Bulldogs, weren't, weren't even supposed to be there. And they dominated the World Series and, and won that thing. And, and it's still uh, one of my favorite sports memories was watching the Fresno State Bulldogs come out of nowhere to win the College World Series in 2008. So, uh, yeah, that's my thoughts about right. Fresno. And, you know, the Bulldogs, they have, a, you know, they have a good, good football program. Very mm-hmm. good football program. Always competitive. Very oh, yeah. competitive. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they kind of play with that chip on the shoulder, uh, which I like, you know, get all the kids that maybe weren't uh, recruited by the, the bigger schools out here. So so after Fresno or uh, high school in Fresno, uh, college and things, you you uh, were picked up by the California Highway Patrol. And uh, t- talk me through that process. Uh, graduated December of 83, and I was assigned to uh, Los Angeles, uh, the, the central Los Angeles area office. Uh, worked there for about seven years. Uh, about a year into my career, I got on a motorcycle because I saw, you know, the chips type thing, you know. Uh, so uh, we, I, I went to motor school, passed, and uh, from '83 to the end of my career, I was on, I was on motorcycle duty. Uh, worked the central LA area, then I transferred to the Baldwin Park area. Um, worked the Baldwin Park area, promoted uh, to sergeant. And then went to uh, Redwood City for a year, came back down to Southern California, Rancho Cucamonga. In 2013, I retired. Retired. <laughs> yep. What a, what a career. Well, well, Mark, I got to ask you, look, look at it, because uh, I think the, 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 especially out here in California, the Highway Patrol has this, uh, this real negative uh, sound, right? Everyone people the highway patrol they just pull people over all day not any great experience uh experiences with them really uh but i've always said no i know a guy i know actually a couple guys in officiating who are highway patrolmen they're great guys so uh they, those guys pulling people over can't all be bad but but is is that kind of been your experience like i work for the highway patrol and people are like oh you're one of those uh ticket riders who chases people yeah. down. you're the guy that's you know don't give no one breaks, you know, all that kind of stuff. And of course, you have other law enforcement call us AAA with a gun, you know, because we're always on the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, 
you know, we're, we're everywhere. You know, we're, we do both uh, unincorporated areas. We do, you know, the highways, freeways, byways and everything. So, um, you know, it's a very, very good organization. Um, I'm proud to be with them. I'm proud, you know, I'd serve my time with them. Um, rewarding, you know, had a good time. A lot of good, good people on the high patrol, a lot of good people on that. Oh, I, I bet. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, in all my travels through California, I mean, I, I can't believe kind of the jurisdiction that the highway patrol has at times. I mean, you got guys who, uh, who make a drive up to, I don't know, up to uh, Bakersfield or guys, uh, all these different counties and things. And I'm just like, man, that's so it, was that basically you were, well, did it change? Were you assigned like a specific freeway area, uh, certain streets during the day? How, how did your assignment and jurisdiction go? Well, the way we did it is is the way my well my area office goes. Every every office is different, but we were by seniority, and basically you would pick your beat by seniority. Depends how much time you have on the job, you can get it. You, you pick your beat. Uh, the beat consists of either a, a section of a freeway or a section of the unincorporated areas, uh, county areas that you would have to be responsible for. Um, I've always chose the freeways because I feel if you're on a bike, motorcycle. That's a good tool. I mean, it's just something should happen. You can always drive in the middle of the traffic, split split lanes and get to the scene if you need to. So I always work the 10 freeway, uh, eastern portion of the freeway, uh, the upland area, the Pomona area. Uh, that's basically what I really like to work when I was at, uh, as a road officer. Gotcha. And, 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 you know, I've heard all these uh, people have their theories, much like officiating. Everybody thinks they know. And, and so... That being said, everyone's like, oh, they're just trying to make their quota. That's why you pulled me over for this nonsense or rolling through a stop sign or whatever. I mean, ultimately, you guys are out there to make sure things don't happen, right? You're not out there. Uh, it's like officiating, maybe. You're not looking for trouble, but if there's a if there's a problem, you got to kind of deal with it. Sure. Absolutely. You know, we're, as they say, we're problem solvers, you know, <laughs> but we can. Uh, we just try, we go out there and try to save lives. That's, that's our main goal. Um, you know, if you can stop, stop someone, they're doing hundred miles down the freeway. You know what? We probably save that guy's life. We probably save everyone else on that freeway's life because he was driving crazy. You know what I'm saying? So um, people say, well, you stop and write people tickets all the time, you know, get on breaks. Well, you know what? We're stopping them because they, they violated the law and we're trying to save lives basically, you know? Oh yeah. And, and in, in, one, one thing we have out, no shortage of out here is, uh, you know, high speed, low speed chases. I mean, have you been in your, uh, your fair share of those where someone will not pull over and it turns into a big, uh, 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 you know, chase or whatever. And they're done that on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's they, um, they're, they kind of frown on a, on a motorcycle being a pursuit. Um, so if basically, you know what, life's too short, I'm not going to risk life chasing someone down you know, cause they didn't want to stop whatever. So I just said, you know what? I got off the gas, got the freeway and said, okay, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Every time you see these high speed chases, uh, I, every single time I think to myself, well, maybe there's a, a time or two in history that it's worked out, but I'm like, they're going to catch you. Why are you still running? <laughs> you're going to run out of gas or it's going to end some other bad way. And you're going to hurt someone, uh, too. I mean, I, I always tune in what I see as chase. Cause I'm like, it's usually not that exciting of an ending, but I just like this guy in this car is a, is being an idiot. <laughs> right. It's funny because sometimes in Vegas here, they'll have breaking news. LA's in a, in a police chase, you know, <laughs> really? <laughs> so, cause here in Las Vegas, there's no pursuits out here. They don't mess around out here in Las Vegas. I mean, they just nothing. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, do you have any funny stories or anything like that from uh, maybe some inter 30 years of uh, CHP and pulling people over? I mean, is there any any memories that stick out to you or anything like that? Yeah, you know, I ended up working with uh, I ended up working uh, with the Department of Justice doing the camp program, the uh, marijuana planning program. Uh, I was assigned I was typically assigned to the Department of Justice narcotics division. And what we did is I did it for nine years. We would go out and we would just eradicate marijuana plants back in the uh, early 90s to mid 90s. Um, and uh, that was a lot of fun there because, you know, you basically camouflage yourself up. Uh, you go on the forest and you find these, um, you know, these marijuana cultivation farms and 
you try to get a suspect, so you have to sit there and wait till someone comes in there, and then you make an arrest and, and or you eradicate these uh, plants. And so that was uh, that was seasonal, but it was a lot of fun. That I had to say was probably the most uh, memorable on the on the job. Um, additionally, I was assigned to the protective services detail where we would go out and assist uh, Secret Service with all the presidents coming in, vice presidents coming into town. So I was assigned to that detail. And of course, I'm sure you've seen that where we stopped the freeway and, you know, have the motorcade through. Right, right. So I was a part of that detail. So it was rewarding. You know, it was fun. A lot of, you know, we were able to uh, sometimes meet, you know, some celebrities, go to some, uh, you know, do traffic control, whatever. And of course, we had, uh, you know, some governors. We, we were we were responsible for, you know, governors, protecting the governors. But overall, it, it was a lot of fun, especially on a bike. It was just a lot of fun, you know, had a good time. Yeah, I mean, uh I've I've ridden on a motorcycle before, but not driven one. And uh, I know that, um, yeah, there's something about guys riding a motorcycle. It's just, it's this freedom. It's this, uh, I, I, a lot of people say, oh, it's dangerous, you know, because if you crash, you're in real trouble. But I mean, you can't necessarily live life in in fear. Um, But on a day-to-day basis, I mean, you, you had, you have the badge, right? So there's a, there's a certain element of danger there. Uh, but I would say was, was probably a lot of your concern, uh, other cars, you know, you're weaving in and out of things, uh, being on a motorcycle. I mean, you, you, my dad always told me when I was driving, he's like, you can't worry about what you're doing. You have to worry about what everyone else is doing around you. But on a bike, you know, four wheels versus two wheels. You really gotta be, you know, have your pay attention to what's going on because, uh, you have to have the mindset that no one can see you. No one sees you. So, you know, you have to have something out, not, not be someone's blind spot, you know? So it's a little bit more, you know, uh, more attentive. You can't be wondering about something else, thinking about this, thinking about a football game coming up or something like that. You have to be focused on riding that bike. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. Really, really interesting. Uh, uh, have you ever heard a line of anything <laughs> you're like, I don't know. You ever pulled someone over who's like, look, we're speeding because my wife's in the front seat. She's pregnant. Or has anyone ever uh, said uh, anything to you when you get pulled over? Like, uh, yeah, I know I was going hundred, write me the ticket as quick as you, I don't know. Is there anything, any inter- interaction you had like yeah, that? You know, there's a few, there's a few, you know, of course the major one was I have to use the bathroom, you know, have to use the restroom. <laughs> You know, I got to go to the bathroom. Well, you passed up four exits and there's gas stations there, you know, right there. If you got to go that bad, you got the freeway and use the rest. Um, some, you know, are just, yeah, you know, you caught me. I was going fast or whatever, you know, and there was one line. And I walked up, the kid goes, I'll take a cheeseburger with French fries. You know, like, <laughs> just drive through. But, um, you know, there's there's a lot, you know, of course, there's people, oh, no, I wasn't going fast. You know, it was you know, I wasn't going fast, you know, that kind of stuff, but you're going to have all walks of life, you know, you're going to encounter all these, these people and all that, but you know what, you just maintain your, you know, composure and be professional and that's all you can do, you know? Oh man. Um, I when, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was driving for Uber and Lyft, uh-huh. I still do a little part-time here, but anyone who hasn't done it, <laughs> I think people should do it because you get such an experience of all walks of life when you start picking up random people. And so, man, my throat. And and so I got to imagine, as you just said, your interaction with people from all over all kinds of different communities. And you, it had to just be uh, quite an experience and and an opportunity to see all different walks of life. Cause that was my experience uh, in in driving people. Uh, I'm sure it was the same for you. Yeah. It's just, you know, people having problems, you know, I wasn't thinking, I, you know, whatever, that and this, and, and, hey, you know what, we caught your attention, we're stopping you, so, you know, save, try to save lives, that's our goal, you know. That's it. So, when you, um, were you still working CHP when you started officiating uh, football for Foothill Citrus? Yes, yes, I was, um, uh started in 2000 what six i believe I we 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 mark we started 2000 yeah. 2007 we still you we were the same 
same class. Uh, and uh, I think the guys that stuck around really were only Steve Necky, me and Jacob Hauser. I mean, we were the, uh, what was there? Probably 15 guys in that, in that class when we walked in and it ended up being the four of us really were the only guys that stuck around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's when I started, you know, I just had a passion for football. You know, I, I figured, yeah, I can't play this sport, you know, unless you go to the park on Sundays and break a leg or something, you know, but I said, well, might as well officiate it. So, uh, man, I loved it. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, you know? So was there, was there just the light bulb kind of one day after, uh, years of work in CHP and then you were just like, you know what? I have time. I can do this. What was there a specific moment that we watching a game on TV or what ultimately was like, I want to officiate football. Well, yeah, it's funny because we were watching football and, you know, we're all football fans and I'm going, there was a play on TV and I'm going, there's a hole right there. And people are looking at me, you're crazy. All of a sudden you see a flag and they say, well, how'd you see that? I go, well, is this, that's the rule of the game. And I started saying, well, I should, maybe I should start officiating, you know, maybe I should start doing this. If I, if I could see it on a TV, you know, I'm sure I could probably see it in live person, you know, and there's a point out. So I kind of started reading the book on it, you know, Google the book or whatever. And, and then we, we met, we met and here we are, we started doing the classes and uh, it was a lot of fun. We started officiating. Yeah, we, uh, we, we dove into it. Uh, Bob Lamb was our first year instructor. I, right. I think he said something, Bob Lamb's got a million and one lines. I think he said something like, you know, guys, this is going to be football officiating. It's the most fun you can have with your clothes on. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't pick pepper through fly or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah get the lizards uh let the get the alligators let the lizards go i mean just but yeah. I, I you know i don't know what your experience was like but for me when i when i went in you think you have an idea you think okay i know the rules i've seen it i've watched officials even in high school games but you realize pretty quick that okay i got a lot to learn and, and was that the experience for you Exactly. You know, when we first walked in that class, I thought, well, I've got a pretty good grasp of what's going on. You know, I know what's what I know what's happening. They laid that book in front of me and I started looking through that book. I go, okay, really? <laughs> you know, get page after page after page. I says, I got some studying to do here. And, and yeah, I thought I knew it all, but I didn't. You know, that book was a lifesaver. And I referred to that book, you know, every before every game, I would read something that morning, a chapter or something, you know. Um, but yeah, that uh once you start going to classes, it's an eye opener, you know, because you'll say, I thought I knew that, but that's, that wasn't it. And, you know, they changed the rules, whatever, but yeah, it, it was, it was a lot of study to do. Well, imagine doing your job, Mark, in, in right. law enforcement without knowing the laws. I mean, you right. wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to function. I mean, so you got to know the rules. And uh, I always struggled with, with tests, just trying to break it all down. I was a very visual learner, but uh, anyway, do, do you remember your first your first game or your first varsity game or or maybe both? Yes, I was. I uh, did a game with uh, uh, it was was it uh, I believe it was Upland High School. It was a freshman game, and I was uh, I was the uh, you know headlinesman, you know the headlines, and that was our first game. And I I didn't really I, I went in there with the mindset of you know what just relax and just officiate. You know, just officiate, be yourself and all that. That's what I was told, just officiate. And, yeah, and I told, you know, of course, you told the white hat, the referee, hey, you know, I want you to be critical at, at halftime on what I can approve on or, you know, pros and cons. So, you know, we would just go out there and uh, officiate. And, uh, you know, I started hanging hang the game, you know, get used to the game. And I would also volunteer for games. You know, I would do some stuff on the side, volunteer do some games, you know, without getting paid just to get that experience, you know? Um, but yeah, that was my first games up on high. Uh, it was a Thursday afternoon. Um, I was, I was a headlinesman and I felt I did pretty good. I felt, you know, a lot of guys, we were told to do that, go out, work for free, watch. I mean, you get what you put into this thing. And I think some guys just felt they'd show up and get a bunch of games. And it's like, no, you gotta, you gotta get out there and learn, talk to people. And, uh, and yes, work for, for free a little bit to learn. Cause there's nothing like live, uh, live snaps. And I remember my first game, Mark about there, I see a block in the back on a pump play. I throw the flag. I run, I finish the play. I kill it. I'm so excited. I go to my white hat, uh, Dave and Cenas. I said, Dave, uh, legal block in the back on the, uh, the return team and he goes what number and i went 
Yeah, give me a number. <laughs> I, I don't know. And and <laughs> and it's just like it's not we can have a microphone or anything, but it's good to know. Plus, you want to tell the coach who the number is on. And so that was a good lesson for me. It's like you may think you saw everything, but you didn't, you know. <laughs> so um, right. what about well, you? Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, that, that's a good point because being the headlinesman, you know, uh, there was a play downfield, but there was a flag, but you have your chain crew moving down where you're at. And you say, no, wait, stay there, stay there. Now that you know, of course, your chain crew are, you know, students, you know, <laughs> they're they're looking at you and the chains are all jacked up, you know, this, this is that, and you got to, well, you have to send that back. And now you have to call a timeout, you know, first timeout to reset the change. And then, you know, the kid of the, the clip, he moved the clip, and I'm going, oh, great. You know? <laughs> so that was a lesson to learn. So every time I was high, you know, the headlines, then I would make sure that these kids got a five minute lesson, uh, you know, the students on how to work the chains. You know, don't move the chains until I wave you down. You know, if it's 10 minutes in the game, stay there, you know, whatever. But wait till my signal to move you down the chains, then move. I had that several times happen. Oh yeah. You, you have to take charge of those guys, uh, kids, cause they don't want to be there. And it's like, Hey man, just hang in there with me. Uh, do what you got to do. So what about your first varsity game? Do you remember that? And was that, what was that experience like under the lights? It was, uh, I believe it was uh, Chafee, you know, Chafee. Um, and they put me at uh, line judge, line judge, uh, which I really enjoyed. You know, I enjoyed the line judge position because you, you would be the kill on the clock on, on first downs. Um, Good time again. I would just focus on, you know, just officiating. Of course, you had your coaches in your in your ear. You know, how come you didn't call that? How did you call that? How come you didn't call that? You know, I just ignored them. You know, I just ignored them. I just kept officiating. You know, um, but I do remember that game. Um, I, I did uh, line judge, and then they and then Trace moved to back judge, and that uh, working back judge for a while. And I love back judge. Yeah, that's nice being away from the, uh, the the sidelines. You're out kind of on an island by yourself. You get to run around quite a bit. You got, you know, responsibilities like the clock and uh, all kinds of different things. Yeah, back there, uh, back judge is a lot of fun. And you run to the sidelines. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark, I want to ask, as far as law enforcement and officiating, I, I see so many guys who are – who uh, law enforcement who go into officiating. I, I think it's such a natural fit – because you are enforcing laws, you're dealing with emotional people at times and making tough decisions. So it's kind of like if you can be in law enforcement, you could absolutely officiate some random high school game, right? Sure, sure. I mean, and being being a headlines or line judge, you, you know, a coach would call a timeout or there'd be a timeout or injury. You have a coach in your face yelling at you, you know, how come this, how come that? As being law enforcement, you get that all the time. You know, pull someone over. Oh, I was a speed. Oh, I want to see her. So what you do is you, you 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 calm them down. You know, you let them vent, let them talk, and say, look, you know, this is what I saw. You know, um, I'm calling the shots here. I saw. I mean, you might have saw it, but I don't know what angle you were at. But my angle, I'm just watching. You know, my responsibilities here. You know, and once they once you explain to them your 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 position and your responsibilities, they kind of say, oh, okay, I see what you're saying because the play could have been the other side. You know, how come they didn't call the tight end for holding or whatever? Well, I'm responsible for this side of your field, you know, not the other side, you know. And so you have to explain to them that, you know, it's it's your your area that you have to focus on. And a lot of a lot of coaches don't understand that. You know, a lot of coaches don't know the rule book either. You know, it's funny because um, there was I don't know who the official was, but he would carry his handbook in his back pocket for games. And, you know, I mean, he. And then see, so you have some guys who say, "Well, read the read the read the read the handbook, read the handbook." You don't know a handbook, you know. So, um, a lot of coaches don't know the rule book, you know. Yeah, I, I think honesty is is you know the best policy. And if you're you're honest with guys, sometimes you got to be forceful. But I think where where guys really uh, struggle in in officiating, we're talking football specifically, but it's just they don't know how to like look someone in the eye and have a conversation with them or tell them respond to them sometimes you got to yell usually you don't but it's just like you to your point hey this is what i saw this is what i was looking at you know i can't look over there i have other responsibilities i will try to communicate to my guys this is your concern if you work with them 
I, I think most guys see you trying to work with them will will appreciate it. There now and then again, there's a handful of knuckleheads who just you, you can't please them. I don't I don't know how they're married because they, you know they are they you could do nothing right in their eyes. So, um, but those guys are few and far between. Most guys are just competing passionately, and you got to be honest with them, open and honest, right? You know, and, and every and before every game, you know, I would go meet the head coach, uh, introduce myself, and say, "I'm your I'm your line judge." Uh, you know what? I'm I'm a human being. I can only see what I can see. You may see something, they may not see it. You know, bring it to my attention, and I'll focus on that, or I'll let the crew know what, something happened. Tell you what, all night he would yell, 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 but then in the game. He says, hey, I appreciate your, you know, your honesty. I appreciate your officiating. Thank you. They may win or lose, but that's the thing. If you can communicate with your coaches before the game and let them straight out tell them, you know, here's, I'll do my best to officiate, you know, let's do this. Or tell them, hey, you know, your defensive line guys kind of in the neutral zone, bring them back a little bit, you know, you know, kind of help them out. They appreciate that kind of stuff, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and it's, uh, it's different at various levels, but, but high school, I mean, we, we know, uh, everyone's there uh, trying to do a job and sure, we're sure. there. We're there to kind of be the, the in-between of two teams competing. Sure. Uh, speak if you can, Mark, about your experience just with Foothill Citrus football. You mentioned Tracy's name, Tracy McFate, our assigner, actually lives out in your neck of the woods in uh, Henderson, Nevada now. And um, I just, I felt so welcomed in Foothill Citrus. I felt all the people, the instructors, uh, the, the assigner, of course, and just the, the people on the board, there was, there was this welcoming to, to everyone. I didn't experience that everywhere I went as far as officiating. And, and so my experience with Foothill Citrus was, was great. I'm proud to be a, a former member. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, uh, well, look at, look at, uh, uh, Sean Hockley, you know, he was, he was with them and now he's with the NFL. Um, same thing, open arms and they were not, hesitant to help you out if you had a problem or issue say hey i got this problem issue they would help you out work with you and all this and that uh and that's what i like you know that that's what i really enjoyed about them um every, after every game i would talk to the white hat hey what could i do to improve you know what could i do to to make myself better at officiating and and they were really open yeah here's what you could do you could do this maybe position yourself here you know this here this this you know what whatever but i would always always, you know, accept that, you know, embrace it and say, look, I'm going to use that for next time, you know, but again, I, I agree with what you're saying. They were a fantastic organization. Great. Especially the meeting nights were, were really good, you know? Yeah. You didn't mind going. You were like, okay, this is, this is uh, fun. We're going to, you know, we're going to tease each other, but we're also going to learn and, and put the, put the work in. It was just a very, they were big on camaraderie. And um, yeah, I think uh, the, the proof of, I had Andrew, uh, Andy Angelo. Angelo, were you in the same in that class also as well? Uh, at, on on the nights we go at, at training at night. No, you know what? I think I was in a different class after that that first year. Uh, who was? I, you know, it's been so long now. Right. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I, we would go over the test. You know, we would do the test real quick. Any questions and answers? But then he would ask us your previous game. What issues did you see that you wanted to bring to our attention or concern? And we would talk about it. And I think that was very helpful, very mm -hmm. helpful, you know, because that situation happened to me or you or anyone else that never happened before, you know? Yeah, real. Sometimes the stuff on paper isn't as good as real life situations. I don't need to tell you that uh, with your background, but uh, yeah, that was definitely beneficial to hear about what to do and also what not to do because <laughs> I've learned, I've learned both. Uh, do you have any specific um, favorite memory from officiating football? Cause you did it for, I don't know, eight years or so maybe. Yeah, I did eight years. Um, I think uh, it was, was it Ontario? It was a high, it was a, it was a game and there was a, a uh, basically players start fighting in the field. So uh, it was like third quarter. They start fighting the field. So, of course, we all broke them up, broke them up. Well, um, we had the coaches on the field, and they started bickering each other, and they started pushing each other. So we broke them up. So I forgot who that white hat head said, but he goes, you know what? We're going to call this game. We don't need this. We're going to call it. That's it. You know, it was a blowout. It was like – I think the home team was ahead by, like, 20 points. Uh, not, uh, I can't say 20, but 
it was an obvious win for the home team, but they were frightened. So the fight has to, you know what, we're just going to call it. I'll write a report on it. And I do remember that. Uh, and it was an early night for that game. You know, we were done early. <laughs> I was wondering where it was going. Yeah, an early an early night. Hey, you guys want to fight? Go ahead. We, we got better things to do. Uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, yeah, go ahead. Wait till we got the field, then continue. But we called it. We got everyone off the field. We got the home team off. The visiting team, we got off. And once they were off, we had the coaches all get together, you know, at a distance and said, look, we're not going to have this happen again. This is unacceptable. This is not what we are here to do. We're done. The game's done. Go home. That's it. And I, we all have to write a, a small report on it, which I don't mind doing, you know. Um, it was a little easy. Second nature fighting. for you. <laughs> <laughs> card had all these numbers on there, you know. I had to go back to that card and up down the side, all these numbers that were out there fighting, you know. But, uh, Yeah. I've done uh, other sports, but football is just so much fun. The high school level is a blast working with guys, uh, man. I, I haven't done it for a few years now. It, it's still of all my officiating I've done. It's, it's still the most fun. And I, and I miss yeah. it. Um, there were some good it, times. Yeah. I, Matt, I'm sorry to break you off on that, but uh, I agree. You have some of these freshman coaches, lower level coaches. He will come up to me and say, Hey, you know what? This is my first year coaching. So help me out here. You know? And I would. I'll say, you know what? Okay, so we're sitting on the line judge or whatever, and I'm going to say, hey, coach, come here. He goes, yeah, you know what? You got this whole side of the line is offsides. You know, have them all get back. He goes, okay, thank you, thank you. That kind of stuff, you know, kind of work with them, you know? Well, for the freshman JV level, like, no matter how much people want to say this is, you know, the super it's a super bowl to them but it's like no this is time to learn this is not just for the players the coaches but also the right. officials so it's like hey you need to settle down we're out here for play you know you pinch in pinch in the ball you would say hey number 70 you were all sides get back a little bit you know that kind of stuff you know because they're learning too i mean they, they're so thrilled just to have a uniform on and running down the field they forget to play sometimes you know they well what do we call last time you know they don't even know and and you have to kind of school them as well. Then I, you know, I backpedal to the sideline. I told the coach, I told your 78 to get back a little bit. You know, he's all sides. They appreciate that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, they do it again. Guess what? There goes the, there goes the flag. You know, <laughs> give him a chance. You know, that's it. Yep. Yep. Oh man. Great times. And uh, yeah, you have to look up uh, Tracy out, Tracy McFade out there in Vegas. Make him buy you a beer or two, Mark. You know what? I'll have to do that. I'll, 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 I'll look him up. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, not I, a, is he doing any kind of officiating out here? Do you know? No, nope, he's uh, just enjoying the, the good life in Las Vegas, like you. Good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those oh. assigner, all those assigner fees we paid him. He can he can buy a beer or two, Tracy, if you're listening. Yeah, well, he, we probably yeah, all those assigner fees went to that house he bought, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> oh man, great times. Well, <laughs> you touched on it already, Mark, but you uh, retired from a great career in the CHP and you go to Las Vegas. So you had to put away your referee stripes. Now, when you went to Vegas, were you just, were you just going to not work at all and just kind of be, you know what, we're retired. This is, this is um, where we're settling kind of before you went into all the other uh, security stuff and things, or did you have a plan that you were going to find other work uh, after you were retired? Well, basically when I, when I came to Las Vegas, um, you know, I did the honey-do list around the house, you know, do this, paint this, paint that, you know, the house was a move-in condition, I have to say. So I'm sitting around here and I'm watching the TV in the morning, the news, and I'm, and I'm going, am I going to do this the rest of my life to sit on this couch and just watch TV all day, you know, watch these soap operas and stuff, you know, all that. I mean, that's not me. I, I got I have to be active. So for some reason, I came across, uh, in fact, my wife came across the the SIS, which is security industry specialist job, they had openings here in Vegas. And I said, let me see that. So I got the, I got her iPad, I was reading it, reading it. And I'm going, I said, what do you think? She goes, well, if you're bored, might as well work, you know, it's part-time work, keep yourself busy. So I applied, um, they came and interviewed me and I started working with them. I've been with them now six years, exactly. The time I moved here, been with them for six years, SIS. So I work with them and basically what they do is, you know, they do high end security, you know, with uh, uh, merchandise that we escort or we, we uh, protect and all that, provide service for. Not only here in Vegas, but they travel, we travel throughout the United States and this company is worldwide, I have to, I have to admit. 
that's a very, very nice company I was with. So I started with them in 2000, I'm sorry, 2015 with SIS. And then of course I started working with them and then another, another opportunity came through when I got on with that another security company. We'll, we'll get there. I'm sure we will. Yeah. But, yeah. So you went from sitting at home watching soap operas to uh, back out traveling uh, all over the place, huh? Exactly. And I loved it. It was great. You know, so my first, <laughs> I go, wow, okay, this is great. So the, the coordinator called me up and says, Hey, I have an assignment for you. Sure. Go ahead. Oh, end up being 60 hours a week of work for like about two months. <laughs> so I'm going, wow, maybe I better slow down here. And I was never home, you know? So I took a little break and then it just, you know, I'll kind of pick and choose your work, you know, but uh, I've been busy with them ever since. Had you done any security work with like celebrities or anything out here in Los Angeles uh, before kind of moving out to Vegas? Yes, yes. After um, after I retired, I got on a security company and they're based in Orange County and they were responsible for a couple of NBA teams. And I had the opportunity to work with uh, the, the Lakers and the Clippers, uh, work with Kobe Bryant. Vanessa Bryant worked with the, with the, uh, the daughters, um, you know, her two daughters she had at the time, um, worked with them for a while, and then uh, worked with the Clippers, the LA uh, the Clippers, worked for, at their facility for a little bit, worked a few games, and then uh, end up, he ended up assigning me to the R&B singer Neo, so I worked with him for about a year, and with Neo, I met a lot of celebrities, because we would go to the, you know, Billboard, American Billboard Awards here in Vegas, we would do some uh, filming, some video filming and all that. And I had the opportunity to be with, with Neo. And we, I met several celebrities a lot. Wow. Wow. Well, I know a lot of people out here in Southern California were, uh, you know, uh, very affected emotionally when Kobe Bryant passed away. I just, uh, and his daughter, of course, and, and the rest of the, uh, the people on the helicopter. Uh, but what was the Bryant family like kind of behind the scenes? I mean, were they, they just, you know, normal people and, uh, you, you have any, I don't know, memories of kind of your interactions with Kobe and his family? Yes, uh, Kobe was a very nice guy, very nice gentleman, uh, very family oriented. Um, always playing with the daughters, you know. Um, Vanessa was a very nice person, uh, you know, uh, and you know, so we kind of created a bond, you know, and all that. And uh, you know, he, he knew where we were, and we had a job to do. You know, he would go somewhere, and uh, we, I would be there with Vanessa and the family. You know, they needed somewhere to go. I'd take them, pick them up from school, whatever. But uh, very nice, very nice family. Uh, again, you mentioned earlier, it's unfortunate what happened. But other than that, they were just very nice family. Very mm. nice. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, very, very sad. And uh, yeah, it's still shocking. And it's kind of started the whole crazy year that was 2020. Uh, as far as your work with the Lakers and the Clippers, what were you a, a game day guy in the arena? Or what was kind of, what were you doing with them? It was a game day, you know, it was a home game. Uh, players would show up, escort the players, uh, make sure they get on the court. And when the game started, you're in that little tube tunnel area. Um, game's done, make sure they get off the court, get them a locker room. And then if they need anyone needed a ride home, take them home or to the facility. So it was a lot of fun, too. I just have, only did that game for a short period of time uh, on travel with the NBA teams. Uh, I was more, more with the actual players, taking them home, picking them up and all that. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so during the game, I mean, they're on the court, you're just kind of hanging out, watching some basketball. What are you doing? You know, watch the basketball. Yeah. You know, not a bad yeah. gig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. Well, uh, very, very cool. So you came out to Vegas and um, that is, let's say, I don't know when it was, but you eventually landed a job uh, working with the San Francisco 49ers, right? Correct. Uh -huh. Yes, I am. Uh, currently, I'm uh, player security. So I'm responsible for all the players, uh, wherever they go, practice, uh, travel, uh, hotels, everything. So basically where the players are, I'm with the players on the field, during games, uh, uh, travel the team, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's why I had to wear my, my LA Rams uh, shirt, uh, Mark, because I, kn I knew we were going to talk some 49er stuff. So uh, I had to make sure I washed myself off, uh, off of the 49er, uh, you know, uh, 49er fandom or whatever. Not, not you work for him or whatever, but uh, man, four, I think it's four in a row, the Niners uh, beating the Rams, at least four in a row. It's it, it, painful times. Well, well, we'll be playing at your new stadium this year, the new uh, SoFi Stadium, I believe. Yeah. With, with, with people, thank God. Humans, human beings, yes. <laughs> what yeah. a concept. Well, 
So but, you're in Las Vegas and then the Niners are up in Santa Clara. So, I mean, you're on an airplane quite a bit. How does that work? Yeah. So what happens for camp and you know, camp starts in July, I actually drive uh, from Vegas to uh, Santa Clara and I'm at the team hotel, which is the Marriott. And what camps usually about three to four weeks long. Um, and then we work the preseason games. So what I generally do is uh, I a either will drive back home and fly to the games or they'll keep me there and I'll work the games and then I'll drive home when preseason's done. During the season, if it's a home game, I'll fly up on a Saturday and then work the game and come home on Sunday night. Uh, if it's an away game, they fly me from here to wherever they're playing. For example, maybe, you know, Houston or, or Denver. I'll fly out like on a Thursday and I'll stay through Monday, travel home Monday. And you're just with the team the whole time uh, when, when they're, you know, es- helping escort them everywhere and everything? Yes. Well, on away games, I usually get there a day before earlier and I help the, the coordinator set up cameras on the, on the floors of the hotel rooms. We coordinate with the hotel security, coordinate with the local, local law enforcement uh, that were there, make sure the buses are going to be there to pick up players. They're going to be there on time. Um, then once we do all that, players come, we assist the players with the room keys, get them bedded down. We do a room, uh, room check at night. Uh, then we're done. Then the next morning, depends what time, you know, your shift starts. Generally, you're looking at about a 12 hour day, anywhere from 12 to 14 hour day up early in the morning, get your breakfast. You know, you go up the team to practice, you know, you, you're at the hotel rooms, you're securing the floors, keep the fans away from the restricted areas. <laughs> Then, of course, on game day, it's a long day because you're up early in the morning. You have what's called tag bags. Uh, Any player that takes a bag into an NFL stadium has to be searched. Uh, There's some very strict rules that the NFL, the league, has placed upon every team. So what happens in the morning is a player will come down with a bag, like a backpack he wants to take into into the stadium, that has to be checked by a canine dog, sniffle dog, a dog that sniffs out any potential hazards. So once the dog is it's passed, you know, by the canine crew, we, we put a tag on it and we put that in a secure room. And then the player comes back, gets his bag, he goes to the bus and, and then we're off to the stadium. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's a long day. And, and yeah, you know, we, we all watch the football game uh, for three hours, but yeah, there's so much more that goes into it. Sounds like a very coordinated effort. Just it is. every week, man. That's a. It is. <laughs> if it's a one o'clock game in the afternoon, uh, we're, we start work about six thirty in the morning. Uh, yeah, because they have what's called you know the breakfast. They have the morning breakfast meetings, and then the first bus leaves approximately three hours before the game. The second bus leaves about fifteen minutes later, and the next bus leaves about another half hour later than that. So it's three separate buses that leave to the stadium. So we have to be there. Someone has to be there till the last bus leaves. And then we go to the stadium. So we're at that stadium about three hours before the game. And then basically our job's on it. I mean, we're working until the game's done. So did uh, a couple of years ago, did, did you, uh, did you go with them to the Super Bowl? Yes. 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 So I, I got to imagine everything that you just talked about is multiplied by 10, right? Super Bowl, I was there for uh, 13 days. I went uh, 13 days. And uh, what we did is the security protocol at the hotel room was, was, was absolutely just phenomenal because you had, we, we had law enforcement, we had NFL security, we had the player security. Um, and it was just a really, to walk into the, the hotel, you had to have some kind of credential that you belonged in there. Either. <laughs> so it was, a, it, it was, it was, it was fun. Long days, again, 14, 15 hour days, but it was, it was a lot of fun. That, that had to be a blast. And so during during the the Super Bowl, during the game, I should say, uh, maybe any game, or are you just again what sitting there watching the game, or or are you got responsibilities kind of in the locker room or anything? Yeah, during, well, actually, on every game day, they want person, they want security personnel, of course, on the field with players, uh, and then they want personnel in the locker room because, of course, the players have all their valuables there. You know, they have all their jewelry, their money, phones. So they want someone in the locker room as well. And they want someone posted outside the door. So no one can come in, you know, only certain people can come in. So uh, on, on that game day for Super Bowl, you know, we were assigned, you know, a, the field or the tunnel or the locker room or the family area where they were at. So again, you know, depends what, 
what duties you had, that's what we Interesting. Well, anytime you can uh, be at a Super Bowl, I mean, that's definitely a, a, uh, a goal of mine someday is to go and, and be there. You know, maybe here in Los Angeles would be nice and convenient. Uh, but, but it was quite a memorable Super Bowl. All kidding aside, the Niners had the, the lead there in the fourth and the, the Chiefs with a great comeback to win their first Super Bowl in, in 50 years. I mean, I know the 49ers lost. They were probably bummed in that locker room, but that still had to be quite an experience for you, Mark, to be there for all that. Yeah, it was. I'd tell you, when that, that bus ride back uh, from the stadium, it was quiet. It was like going to go in your closet, shut the door, and not saying a word. It was very quiet. But <laughs> the coach made a good point. You know what? He said he was proud of the players. You know, they 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 had they accomplished something that other 31 teams couldn't do. You know, they made the Super Bowl. Um, you know, that's just just ready for next year. You know, they had the the materials, they had the you know, the players, uh, the tools to work on the following year. Well, uh, when you were growing up in Fresno, did you grow up as a 49er fan? No, I did not. No. Okay. So I was going to say that would be, that would be cool if it all came together like that, but that that's uh, that's pretty neat. So man, you got quite the gig uh, there, Mark, working with the, uh, one of the great NFL franchises and let's see, it's June. So man, pretty soon here camps camps going and you'll be on the road again. Back on the road. Right, right. Exactly. Absolutely. Was it quite different this last year in 2020, uh, the season, the fact that there weren't fans at places that, uh, I don't know, the protocols and everything. Was it a lot, a, a night and day difference from what you've been used to? Yeah, absolutely it was because we have to be tested. If we're associated players, we have to be tested, COVID tested. And that was daily. Mm. And um, other than that, yeah, it was, you know, going to a, the facility, the stadium, they didn't really need security because there was no one there. So we would assist the players um, at the hotel, get them on the buses, and we would just I'd be at the hotel. Gotcha. Uh, very interesting. Well, quite, quite a cool job. Uh, I, I see the 49ers and I always, you know, I despise the logo and everything, but after I take a few breaths, I'm like, you know what? M- uh, my buddy, Mark, Mark size is there working with them. So that's a, uh, you know, good guy, good guy. Anyway, uh, all the best, all the best in, in that, man. That's, that's fun. That's, that's gotta be just, I, I know there's a lot of work involved, right. But it's still gotta be fun for you. It is. It is. You know, um, for my first year I'm going, Oh man, do I do this right? Do I do this right? You know, make sure this is done. The players asking you, hey, what, what time do I, you know, you have, to, you have to know their schedule, you know, and you have to know where, where that room you have to go to. So, okay, your defensive line, you go down here and make a left, you know, oh, you're offensive, you're over here on the right, you know. So, because, you know, they come down, you know, and they have a lot in their mind. You know, they're studying their, their tablets, they're studying plays, they're thinking, they have their headphones on. They're not thinking where they're going. You know, hey, hey excuse me, um, go on over here to the side. <laughs> you're offensive. Not defense. Oh, thank you, thank you. You know, but they've got so much things going on in their mind. You know, they just forget where they're going. You know. Oh Which, wow! I, I didn't think about that. That's that's uh, that's interesting. There's a lot of uh, responsibilities. Who who's the biggest? Who's the biggest of all the dudes you've been around? Because all the NFL dudes, they are a different breed. They're just, I mean, mammoths. Who's the biggest guy that you've seen, or at least seen the biggest uh, in person? Oh man. Uh, the whole entire team, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, oh is gosh. your neck always Mark, is your neck always sore looking up to guys? Well, you just stand back, you know, <laughs> you stand <laughs> back, you know, door. yeah, you keep your distance. I mean, there are some very, I mean, they're all tall, you know, uh, your defensive line the linemen are tall, you know, um, uh, gosh, I'm just trying to think of someone who really tired over me. Uh, of course, uh, you know, Staley, he retired. He was a left guard. He was a big, he was a big man, you know, uh, left tackle. He retired. He was big. Uh, that whole offensive line was, was fairly big, you know, and it's deceiving because on TV, oh, there's a football players, but on the field next to these guys, you know, they're six, five, six, six. And, you know, they're just, they're towering over you, you know? Yeah. So maybe- yeah. And not just the height. I mean, the build, they're just, uh, you know, their houses. <laughs> Oh, that, that, you know, and, and for breakfast, you know, they walk in there, they want six, seven eggs for an omelet. I'm going, oh, look, I, oh my God, really? They're just packing the food on there and, and the pasta and all that. And the cook asked me, how many eggs you want for omelet, seven or eight? I'm going, dude, I can only have maybe one or two, man. <laughs> <laughs> but the food they put down, because they have to, I mean, because they lose, they lose weight after practice. You know, they lose about 
five or six pounds after every practice. So they have to keep that build up, that energy up, you know? Yeah. I, I uh, worked a few uh, Dallas Cowboy practices a few years ago and, and I saw the little, the, the uh, food room, whatever you want to call it. And there was signs everywhere about what to eat for what, and just very, everything was so organized carb area. And yeah, I just saw so much food. I'm like, man, there's a hundred plus dudes out here that are just going to devour all this stuff. So. I mean, eat really good. I have to admit, I mean, gosh, I mean, the food they put out there, you know, prime ribs, your steaks, your bison burgers, turkey burgers, all your pastas, sandwiches, you know, mashed potatoes, rice, all your vegetables. Yeah, I need two plates. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't put one plate, but I just go, oh my gosh, this is, I mean, it's good food. Not just, I mean, the chefs that they hire, Chris, great chef. He just, gosh, the, the food menu they put out is absolutely phenomenal. Man, full-time job there cooking for an NFL team. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, yeah, that, that sounds like just a blast for you. Uh, you know, go from 30 years of uh, driving, uh, chasing people down in motorcycles to uh, working hand in hand with an NFL team. That's got to be a blast. Uh, let me ask you, Mark, about Las Vegas itself. Since you've been there now, uh, I want to talk about like Las Vegas sports because I see when, when the Vegas Golden Knights moved there or became a franchise, I said, this is going to snowball. I think Las Vegas is going to turn into one of the best sports towns there is. The Raiders are there now. I see down the road potential for an NBA team, uh, maybe an MLB team, if they if they build a dome. Um, what are your thoughts on the state of Las Vegas sports? I think um, it's going up. I don't know if you read, but I heard the Open A's are showing interest coming here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, the, other, the other rumor I has it is that they're going to build a, a nice stadium right off the strip. Um, it's not confirmed. I don't want to put something out that's not true yet, but I just heard rumors. Um, but uh, I'm hearing the A's are very, have the good idea coming here. Of course, what follows the NBA, you know, NBA will be following, you know. So I see big potential of, of, of future professional sports coming here as well. Well, that stadium, Allegiant State is, is unbelievable. Uh, you know, the giant uh, looks like a spaceship uh, just uh, right off the freeway. Uh, would love to get to a game there sometime. I always said when the Raiders left Oakland, I said, you know what? Of all the teams that could have come to Las Vegas, I am not a Raider fan. I don't like the Raiders but, but at all. But I said, you know what? The Raiders fit. It's, I think it's a good fit for the city. And, you know, one year in now, uh, I think that has the city kind of embraced the Raiders or is it still kind of a, a town where there's many fans for many different NFL teams? Well, they embrace them very well. They open arms. Uh, it's just, it's just, like I said, this is going to be the first year with fans. So we're kind of, the, the city is real excited of getting fans in here. Uh, they already put a plan out for parking and tailgating where they're going to have to park and all that. Uh, hotels are very accommodating. Uh, yes. You know, open arms. So they're looking forward to it. They're, they're want to come back to without wearing a mask and having fans in the stands. And that's what they want. I mean, that's what Vegas is all about, you know? And of course you're going to have people come in here to watch the games and, and, uh, but yes, Vegas, just like the Golden Knights. I mean, it's just this town is goes crazy when the Knights play. Uh, very supportive of the Knights, and I'm sure they'll do the same thing with the Raiders. Yeah, the of all the t- of all the sports you, you start in Las Vegas, you put an ice hockey team in the middle of the, the hot desert, uh, but it it works. I got to go to a game last year when the Kings were in town, and I was there uh, in town as well. And that that arena, T-Mobile, is awesome. They put on a great show. It's very Las Vegas. The Golden Knights, they, they love their hockey there. And they're still in the playoffs here. Uh, I'm sure going to make a run. And uh, did you kind of evolve and become a, a big Las Vegas Golden Knights fan? I did. I did. I, didn't, I knew nothing about hockey. I go, Golden Knights, what, what hockey? I, I kept asking my buddy, okay, what's that? What's icing? Okay, what's that? What does that mean? I just got, I just got a book out, read up on it, studied on, on, on the computer, now I understand what the, all that means and what, you know, it's the place. So no, I'm just hardcore with the Vegas Knights, you know. Uh, unfortunately, I lost last night, but you know what? They'll bounce back tomorrow night, and I think they'll win. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people like you in, in Vegas who, were, you know, they were like, they adopted the team in the finals, right, a couple of years ago. And then uh, it just, I don't know, it works. It's a very, the, the town is just excited because it, it's, Vegas used to be this tourism town. You know, no one lived, or a few people lived there, but 
there's a lot of people that live there now in Henderson and all the houses they build constantly. So I, I think uh, more and more sports are going to come to Las Vegas. Uh, it's almost like the Golden Knights were like the, the experiment. Well, let's see what happens here. And all the fans, all the locals just dove in all into the Golden Knights. Yeah, it's just every sports bar, every casino you go into on game night, it's being played everywhere. It's being broadcast. You know, it's very loud. People are supportive, yelling, screaming. And, and that's what it's all about, you know. The city comes together, man, and they're supporting their team. And that's uh, – we love it. We love it. That is uh, that is awesome. Well, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Vegas? As I kind of mentioned, it used to be uh, – uh, you know, just a part, and it's, it is, it's America's playground. It's a party town. Uh, you know, uh, the mafia back in the day was kind of built the city and, and now it's kind of turned into this nice place to live, not on the strip, of course, but I mean, wh- what are your thoughts on just Las Vegas as, as a tourism spot and Las Vegas as a place to live? Uh, you know, well, you know what, this is the entertainment capital of the world. Um, because if my wife and I want to go down to the strip and have something to eat, you know, a good place to eat, we could do it. And we can do it. Um, we do have our neighborhood here. <laughs> you know, we do have a school district here. So uh, as I said earlier, uh, prior to being live here, um, I told my family I moved in Las Vegas. They looked at me and go, well, why the strip? You know, why you move down there? And I said, no, 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 wait a minute. We're moving to Las Vegas to the, you know, I live out, out you know, <laughs> away from the strip. And so when you tell people I live in Las Vegas, first thing they come with hotels, the, you know, the, the strip, you know, the bars and all that gaming and all that. But, um, but no, we do have a neighborhood neighborhood here and I really enjoy it out here. I'm, I'm about 18 miles from the strip, um, you know, West Northwest, uh, as far as tourism. Yeah. People are coming in here all the time. I guess, what was it? I read on, I saw on the news that TSA at the airport Memorial weekend was the most busiest in the global, in the world. People come here to and it would show it. I mean, people come here to have fun, you know, and I'm here. I'm, you know, I do, my wife and I do staycations. You know, we stay on the strip sometimes. And I'm in the elevator. People are packing up, leaving. Where you, I, I, I always ask them, what do you guys, where you guys head to? Oh, I'm going back to South Dakota. Oh, I'm going back to, you know, New Jersey. Oh, I'm going back to Texas. How about you? Well, I'm going 15 minute drive home. <laughs> so <laughs> it look, really, that's cool. That's cool. I, you know, so it's really fun to be out here. You know, I mean, uh, I don't mind the heat, you know, it's supposed to be 115 a day. Um, so I don't mind it. It's dry heat, but, uh, wife and I really lo- love being out here. Yeah. It's not, it's not 115 indoors. I know that they get those uh, air conditioning down really well. So, well, and then it had to be crazy Mark for the city, like everywhere else in the country, really to, to, to just be a, a ghost town. I, uh, Tracy, I think told me, uh, you know, he was like, they took a drive through there and, just every time I've been to Vegas, it's wall to wall people. And then to not see that, that's, it was so eerie. It had to be it living was, there, right? Was to, to drive from one end of the strip to the other, it takes you about maybe 45 minutes, maybe the traffic. But during that pandemic, when they closed everything down, it's just like going down your, your neighborhood street right through. It was, everything was closed up. It was, it was, it was, it was really bizarre. It was kind of, what, is this weird or what? Vegas has never closed since they opened up here, never. And they closed for that pandemic. And it was just going down this trip and no walking around, you know, no traffic. It was strange. Yeah, 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 definitely strange of all places too to see Vegas. Well, Vegas is a great city. I didn't even mention, uh, you know, it's an incredible fight city. I mean, boxing, how many countless uh, big events have been there? Of course, uh, UFC, Uh, it's a great, great sports town. And it's a great town in general. It's cool that you and your wife do that little staycation. I think that's great, you know. This was past weekend, you know, they had the UFC fight. They had PBR here, you know, the pro- professional bull riders. You know, they had the, the Vegas Knights going on here. Uh, there's always something happening here. Always something happening, you know. Well, and what's cool about Vegas, I found out kind of is, is you can get anywhere pretty quickly. You know, there's a lot of direct flights to other places, uh, and, and, in LA, I mean, what are you, if you, a couple hundred miles, we got to come back here for some reason, but it's, it's a very accessible place. Even if you're not a party animal or whatever, there's things to do in Vegas. There's options, great food, of course. And just, man, I, I, yeah. I, I want to get out there, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Gee, a lot of things to do. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Mark, uh, all the best with everything security wise. I hope there's more teams in Vegas. And uh, it's so good talking to you, man. Hopefully uh, um, I get to get out there soon and, 
uh, we'll, we'll get a beer or something. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt, for having me on your podcast here. And uh, uh, you stay safe and you come on out. Give me a call. How's that? That will be fantastic, man. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. Uh, it would be a blast. So hopefully, hopefully here in the near future, man. And uh, thanks again so much for doing this. We, we, we talked about a lot and the time flew. Gotcha. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. I'll stay in touch. Take care, Mark. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Well, that was an absolute pleasure chatting with Mark Saez uh, talking about football officiating and man, what a life in the private security world there working with NFL and NBA teams and celebrities. And of course, uh, working CHP for 30 plus years, uh, man, it makes me want to get to Las Vegas like, like tomorrow, you know, not just to, for a weekend, but uh, maybe, maybe for uh, to live there for, for a little bit of time. So anyway, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the get home safe podcast another fun interview on Friday. I'm still trying to get more and more people to come on here and just chat with them for about an hour or so every Friday to have a, you know, nice little podcast uh, episode on Fridays as we like to do long form interviews. So if you have any ideas uh, or some suggestions of people to chat with, send them my way. Always looking to talk with good people. So uh, Mark Sias, appreciate your time. Thanks again, guys. Have a wonderful weekend as we go into another weekend here in, uh, in the summer, it's, uh, it's heating up and, uh, and life is good. It's heating up. Things are opening up. So, uh, yeah, everybody have a good time, be safe. And guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. We know we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, but we always want to keep people informed of the many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. There's plenty of ways and options to listen to the get home safe podcast anchor helps distribute our podcast to places like apple spotify google and many more we also have a youtube channel that is brand new for us not a whole lot of content on there yet but we're going to try to put out more and more video episodes in going forward as well as short clips here and there regarding uh, big events that happen uh, over the course of time so lots of options out there guys we'd love to hear from you send us an email offer uh, some suggestions or content the topics or uh, just ask us some random questions we always appreciate that i know bill barnes does especially on wednesdays so uh, looking forward to continue to bring you great episodes here on the get home safe podcast on mondays wednesdays and fridays guys have a great rest of the week and as always no matter what you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe